Welcome to the Zion Art Podcast, dedicated to exploring the art and culture of Latter-day Saints through interviews with artists, collectors, and scholars. The podcast is presented by the Zion Art Society and hosted by me, Micah Christensen. Today we are joined by Shari Lyon, who is pioneering new approaches to an ancient technique called encaustic, while facilitating the artistic life of artists in her immediate family and in the community at large. She's one of 90 artists invited to participate in the Certain Women Art Show opening October 4th in Salt Lake City. I am thrilled to have my, full disclosure, good friend, Shari Lyon here with me. Welcome, Shari. Thank you, and thank you for having me. So you, <laughs> I was trying to think um, about how I should start this interview, and the thought that came to me immediately, and this is not an insult, was... <laughs> You are exhausting to follow. <laughs> you are one of the busiest people I know, period, ever. And and I want I, I, here is my somewhat serious, somewhat unserious question, which is: um, Is the the saying true that if you want to get something done, give it to a busy woman? <laughs> um, you know, I I have a tendency to get things done, and it's. It's not always a healthy thing, and I have to give massive kudos to my husband, who's just very patient with my overachiever personality. But he knew that when he married me. So, <laughs> so it's his own fault. It, so it but was it's full also, disclosure. It's also that you have to be patient with him, because you're both busy artists. We are, yeah. And you also have a daughter who is a busy artist as well, Belle Jewel. Yes. And you are not casually involved with any of it. You are involved on, it seems like, every level of their creative endeavors yeah. and your creative endeavor. Less so today in my life. Five years ago, um, five years ago, I was very involved in what she was doing, booking her gigs, getting to her. I went to every single gig that she did. Um, and then same with Howard, I was doing, I was doing all the emails I was doing, you know, I was doing a lot more, um, five years ago and five years ago, there was a, a bit of a transition and I've been able to take that extra time and put it more into what I've been doing. Gratefully, both, both of them have released me from some of those things and taken more on themselves. So was that something that, um, <laughs> you, you used the verb in the sense of they released you rather than you stepping away. I don't step away easily. <laughs> you don't? No. If I if I commit, I'm all in to a fault. And so um, so they, they had to release me, and I appreciated that. So you've, been, you've just been traveling, right? Yes. You travel Always. all the time. <laughs> in fact, I think I saw on your Instagram feed uh, a snapshot of... Something from Delta saying you are one of the top travelers in the region. Top twenty percent in Utah, and that's a big deal because we live in a hub that's of, a Delta. Lot of Delta. So they're comparing <laughs> they're comparing you to all of the Delta hub people too. I yeah. imagine. Where have you been so far this year? Um, let's see. We have um, done Italy and Japan, and and I know it's dumb, but we for I I forget sometimes. We just got back from Las Vegas, which is not exciting, but. It's a show that we do every year, and um, we're headed to Italy again in a couple weeks, and we'll be gone for a month this time there, and then we still have a show in Phoenix and Richmond, Virginia this year. 
do you feel like you're settling into a routine um, with well, these travels? Because I, I see it more as just kind of a phase in life. Like we're, you know, we're recently empty nesters and we've kind of been prepping for this. Like we've been working on this lifestyle for the last 10 years. Um, hoping that it would come together the way we hoped it would, but um, kind of knowing that our youngest would be graduating this year, we kind of, you know, and we plan to, we plan to put it in high gear for the next couple years. So we haven't mm. been in high gear, so I'm looking forward to see just what that looks like. So what I've seen so far in your very busy <laughs> life is not even the apex. No, we're hoping to really hit the travel hard next year. And with what with what goals in mind? Um, more international, different locations. Um, so give, give us an example for those who don't know you, what you would do more internationally. What specifically are the kinds of events that you're so going to So one of the things that we do that takes us all over the world and all over the U.S., um, Howard does art for Magic the Gathering, which is Hasbro's number one license. And because of that, every... A weekend, every every weekend of the year, somewhere in the world, there is what's called a Magic Grand Prix or Magic Fest. Um, it's a tournament level weekend where usually around 2,000, 3,000 players come together and play both on a tournament level and also casually. So, um, so they send us. They send us to, we have a booth and we sell products and he basically signs magic card after magic card and usually, you know, thousands a day for mm. three to four days depending on the location. So while you are doing this, I am sure that it cuts into the amount, into the time that you would be working on your own work. Because yeah. the kind of work you do in Caustic um, it's not the kind of thing you can do with just a paper and a, a notebook while you are. It does not travel. <laughs> no. Oh, let's talk about encaustic. Okay. I called it the ancient yeah. art because it is. It's very one ancient. The, one of the oldest forms of art that there is out there. So when people and encaustic is not a term that I think most people are are are, uh, are used to hearing. Right. So when you tell people, when you are educating people about what encaustic is. How do you how do you describe it? Um, the the short answer is I paint with melted beeswax and a torch. That is the coolest emoji, by the way, in your <laughs> in, in your Instagram if that bio. Draw you in and at least ask got, more questions. I then paint I don't know with icon of a bee, wax, <laughs> and, and and then a fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear the the little emojis are supposed to be better in your bio. I don't know. Well, when I, I lived by the British Museum for several years, and the most well-preserved Egyptian sarcophagi were those from the Ptolemaic era that were, and that's a largely Roman-influenced, that were all beeswax-painted yeah. coffins. And they look, even though they were done, you know, Almost 2,000 years right. ago, they look as fresh as if they were painted the Very other day. Archival. But we don't think of wax that way. We right. usually think of wax as being something that's sticky, that that falls apart as it as it melts. What is it? What are the properties that make encaustic such a um, long-lasting and and desirable media to medium to work right. in? So. So when I make, it's called encaustic medium. When I make my medium, um, it is mostly beeswax. It does also have, um, can I tell secrets sometimes? Um, I, I mean, it's up to this, you. I don't yeah. I don't want you to reveal any trade secrets, <laughs> trade secrets. unnecessarily. Um, I use.
use usually um, about a eight to one or seven to one ratio of Damar resin and beeswax. And um, the Damar resin is what gives it the ability to, over time, it hardens and cures. It also is what gives it the ability that I can, I can shine it. You know, I can buff it and it will become shiny instead of like kind of the dull, um, more matte look that the beeswax has on its own. So the Damar resin definitely helps it get stronger and harder so that it, but it's still very delicate. But, you know, people are sometimes a little bit wary of owning encaustic because they're like, you know, is it going to melt on me? And I always say, if your encaustic art is melting, you have way bigger problems <laughs> than your art melting. <laughs> so yeah. short of you leaving it in a car in the summer, which I've had clients do upon bringing their pieces home from the gallery, and they'll call me, I just ran a quick air, and I'm like, yeah, you left wax in a hot car in the summer. So short of that, like, um, I have had a client um, commission a piece for over a fireplace, and, you know, if you're living in the house and you're hanging it in the house, it's completely safe. Yeah, it would seem to me that it's no more or no less prone to damage than paintings, which are very right. fragile. Right. You're not going to put your fingers all over an oil painting. You're not ah. going to put your fingers all over a wax. I mean, in the 19th painting. century, you would have artists who were complaining all the time as they, they, they depended more and more on chemists to develop paints for them, that their paintings within a few months would change color entirely. You yeah. have Van Gogh, who that happened to, and J.W. Waterhouse. So if you were... I mean, if you were to try and compare the stability of the two, beeswax would probably with re with yeah, with I mean, you know, Damar would probably beat it out. Yeah, the, the the bees know how to do it well and do it for longevity. Like, so I'm looking at I I've been following your art um, for 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 a while, and and it, there's such a startling variety of things that you can do with with encaustic, and and I I want to talk about just a couple of technical questions. Okay. So one is, I'm, I'm looking at this work that you have, um, and I'm gonna turn around my, uh, my computer so you can see it. It's one of the most, ones that you, you incorporated gold oh, yeah. in it. Yeah. And it looks like this remarkable, frozen, um, abstract, very, um, I almost said soup, but it's not. It, it, soup is maybe the wrong word. I don't know what the how th this ability to to mix and almost freeze a a, a subject. Right. I wonder how you do that. It looks like you've got gold and the white coming together. How much control are you in? of the encaustic substance and how has that changed over time from the beginning when you were working with it and probably right. wanted lots of control right. to now where you've learned more about how the medium works yeah um so i think i have to start this conversation by saying i'm a huge control freak and so i think part of what appeals to me so much about working in this medium is that it's this place in my life that i can give myself permission to let the medium be in control hmm. um, encaustic is definitely um, you can understand the properties of it and you can kind of understand what it's going to do but there's this sense of allowing the medium to be in control hmm. and and 
I don't know. To me, it's just this beautiful, like, play between me and the medium and understanding, like, if I do this, it's going to do this, but it's also going to do its own version of that. I don't mm -hmm. always know what it's going to, the, the exact outcome. So do you go into it? Let's go soup to nuts. So do you go into it with a sketch of what you think you're going to do? I, I start with, I'll either start with like an idea of the composition that I want. I'll start with the colors that I want. You know, I, I'll, I'll put together the colors that I want to work with. And I'll have an idea of what I want. Um, but I find my pieces that I love the most um, really come more organically. And they, hmm. they kind of... We work together on the final outcome versus we as me. in as in you and the encaustic yes, and then me the, and the, the encaustic versus me coming in and saying this is what's going to happen. So you come in, you've got your pigment, which is usually is it raw pigment? Or um, is it? I do it different ways. So you can actually buy encaustic pigment that okay. comes with pigment already in the medium. It's highly concentrated, and so if I do buy that, um, I usually just take very small parts of that and mix it with my clear medium. Okay. And so, like, even, you know, you've got a piece here in front of you, even these red pieces that I have that are very vibrant, it's not the straight encaustic color that it comes Let's from. introduce this piece, and we'll use this one as our example okay. of the soup to nuts. So this is the piece... I believe it's for the Certain Women yes. show. I'm going to have an image of it up, but people won't, their first, they'll, they'll probably look it up um, after they've heard us talk about it. Let's just describe it in the most bare terms. So you've got a large panel, and then on the panel are? 20. 20 individual panels. Six by six panels. That are all six by six. Each one representing a portion of what makes me a Certain Women and what, um, Really, this piece is my statement of purpose. You know, what is it that makes me me, and what do I have to contribute? So there's a huge variety of techniques going on here. There so are, and, and most of it, like, this is very unusual for me. Like, this, um, I actually came to the table planning to do something very different for this show, and... Um, kept hitting just a wall on this one and so I had to back up and just like erase my ideas and just say okay so this is what came so a little bit different but yeah for for uh, for being a control freak you've now you you you, uh, <laughs> you, you, know, you, you picked a medium that's that's pushing you to towards towards uh, chaos and now you you're entering a show where you had a plan and then you had to abandon it I yeah. This, is that is that progress? Is it? It is. I is <laughs> like if if I were in if I were in therapy, I think we would really be very excited right now. <laughs> I think uh, it, I we, think my uh, husband is very excited. We're always we're always in therapy. I believe that their life is one long therapy session. This piece. So let's start. Let, let's go through it. So on the top left, yes. you have um, your first six by six panel. Is is that the universal symbol for the feminine? Yes. Okay. And that is incised in a gold. Yes. In, now, is that gold, is that the gold medium itself, or is that no, gold that leaf is on gold top leaf. of it? Yep, that's gold leaf. So when you create this, you get a panel, you make six by six panels. You've got 20 here, you said. Yeah. You, ha you have the encaustic me uh, medium that you're heating up. Yeah. And... You paint it onto the panel. How do you? Yeah. Do you so it. Um, so 
I'll touch back on a previous question that I didn't finish answering. So I okay. either buy uh, blocks of pre-pigmented paint for encaustic. Um, I can use powdered pigment, you know, just straight pigment, and I can mix that into my medium. And I can also use oil paint, and I'll take oil paint sometimes and just mix that into my medium. Mm. Um, so uh, every piece that I do, it's a series of layers, and there can be anywhere from usually at least five to seven up to 20, and, and some people sculpt with encaustic, so it can get very 3D. Um, with additional layers. So every piece, I, I use my gesso first on the panel, and it's a special encaustic gesso. It has more of a tooth than an oil painting or acrylic gesso. Hmm. Um, and then I will use just a couple of layers of just clear medium to start building my base. And then from there, I start... I start creating my texture or creating um, my colors. Um, so it feels like such a dance with each other because there's multiple layers playing with each other. And you can kind of get that with oil paints, you know, when you're doing, um, you know, when you're going in with with your with your oil medium and you and you're just using very little pigment you know you can kind of get that layering process but nothing like you can with encaustic mm. and that's part of what really drew me into that medium is that you know you can create something five layers down and it still will interplay with your final piece how did you get pulled into encaustic how did you discover <laughs> this because because i've got to i've got to say that the knowing knowing you and howard howard um he works in oil painting but he also has um a lot of experience working with digital media media and also you know, he works with a whole variety of things yeah. And I would imagine that there would be, you, you. there's a lot of familiarity with those and you could toy around with any of those existing things and probably have been all of your, all of your relationship, but you go into a media, a medium that is not only different from what he's doing, but different from, I don't know how many people there are around who yeah. are locally doing it. It seems like. I'm seeing more encaustic work, even though it's ancient. It seems yes. like it's now coming back. It is coming back, and we're seeing more of it. We're, I, when I first started, I had to order everything, and there was nothing. And, and even our local dick plick is kind of starting to carry just a little bit now. So it, it is definitely getting more popular. How did you how did you decide to dip your toe in it? Uh, in a nutshell, it was a midlife crisis. Um Going back to talking about Howard and Bell, um, you know, I have run our art business, and, and we call it our, Howard does the work, but um, I did, you know, the business side of it, and so um, I ran that for 25 years, and freed up every moment so that he could paint, and so I did the other, you know, while I was raising kids, I, I ran the business part, and then... Um, since Belle was 15, I've been her, she calls me her momager, and so I have been very active in her career, and, you know, and being a mom is engulfing sometimes, and, and when I started having kids, I promised myself that I would not forget who I was, and that I would not let go of that, and somewhere in 20 years of mothering, I did exactly that, you know, and I, um, 
you know, I don't regret being all in. Like I said, I'm an all in person. I'm kind of intense that way. I'm, I'm 110 or nothing. And so in my mothering, I was 110% and I was all in. And, but the, the downside of that is that I kind of forgot myself a little bit. And so I, I really did. I had a really ugly and nasty midlife crisis about five years ago. And it coincided with moving um, from all of our friends, our life, everything that we had in Arizona to Utah to be a part of the art community up here. And it was a good decision, and we're glad we did it. But at the time, um, it was just a really hard time for me. And my kids were all older, and, um, you know, as it comes, they need you less. And, and so I just had this meltdown. It was an ugly meltdown. It was an <laughs> ugly day and <laughs> I feel like you're so hard on yourself. Oh, it was I it was ugly and I and I have to say like I'm just so grateful my husband still loves me after the things that I said that day because they were harsh. And um and he could have responded very differently, but instead he said, when I met you, you were a creative person, and that was your life. You were, you were fed by creativity, and he said, being a mom is not a very creative thing usually, you know? It's kind of like Groundhog Day, you know? Every day you wake up, and it's the same thing, and, and he said, you have got to find your creative self again. Mm. And then f it was a series of, okay, go take this class, go take this class, you know, would you, you like, like to do this? And do you feel like you needed permission to do it in a way, in some I way, because because you were so focused on what you were doing? Like, I, it, it took a third, it took another person yeah. to say, go do this. Like I said, I do. I need, I, I, I do, for some reason, require people to give me permission to, to not be all in. You know, because again, yeah. like, I was being all in for Howard. I was being all in. And one of the reasons why I ask that, too, is because I, you know, I feel like um, it's only been a, you described being a, uh, moving from Arizona where you were and you developed not only a, a family life, but a, a large artistic life that reached out a sp uh, uh, that, 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 and a successful career for Howard, which he owes in huge part to your management of, of his time and his skills and marketing. But I, and I feel like how can it only been a few years? Because it feels like you're such a permanent part of the community <laughs> that's been here that um, um, the reason I asked the permission question is because when I have a question about um, the art community or art marketing or I've, I, an artist has contacted me, which happens on occasion, and says, you know, what do you think I should do? I'm at this crossroads. I will say, go talk to Shari Lyon. <laughs> Because you you really have um, in your own I, um, in your own work in um, with Howard in your partnership, you spent so many years reaching out to other artists yeah. and finding out how they did what they did and developed a community in the process that you have. Um, guru is the wrong word because it has kind of this hokey <laughs> um, P.T. Barnum element to it that I think. Um, d um, takes out the ser the gravitas of that that word sometimes oh, that's very but you have the gravitas of somebody who has it, it's so interesting that someone who I see as such an authority and who a lot of people see as an authority that in a way you needed an authority yourself to say <laughs> you know what it's your time yeah 
Is that an, is that accurate? That you you felt like you needed somebody to almost say to you, you know what? It's your time. Well, I think, you know, I think I had put everyone else ahead of me for so long, I think I forgot that it's mm -hmm. okay for me to be further up on that list. Yeah. You know, I think I, you know, I, I am a community-based person. I'm a, I'm a, you know, one of our big family models is the rising tide raises all boats. And so I mm. think sometimes I have the tendency to put that above my own needs. Yeah, because you assume if I'm helping you, then I'm taking care of it at the same time. On right, some level. right. Everyone's right? going to be better off, you know, and the more that I do for others, everyone's going to be better off for it. And I agree, and I, and I still live by that. But I also think that there is a point where you need to, um, you need to do for you. Yeah. And, and I kind of had let that. So what did, the, what did that first exploration back. look like? I mean, it wasn't like Howard said, you should do encaustic. No. <laughs> right? So, so what did what did you, what would, did those first steps into? Well, of course, you know, he wanted me to, to do oil. But right. hi, if you're married to Howard Lyon, you don't want to sit at an easel next to him and try to paint something in oil. Well, and there's like, also that's so intimidating to try to be married to someone that's so good and has had 25 years of experience. Well, and you've also had a lot of experience. You've had experience in music. You've had experience with dance. Mm -hmm. um, and I imagine that in all the experience with Howard, you had seen where other artists had missed opportunities. Not just Howard, but helping other artists, where you could say, "Hey." I've been working this marketplace for a long time. This is where there's a gap. This is where I can fill it. Yeah. And you could almost like, like, uh, like go on a, do a business chart. I was gonna say, right? I, you know, I am a very, very creative person, but I also have this love of business and love of marketing yeah. and love of, um, you know, so, so I do love that. And actually, what what prompted the encaustic exploration is that we were at a gallery and. Um, it's actually the Meyer Gallery up in Park City, and, um, you know, we're there all the time. We're in galleries all the time. We're in museums all the time, and so it's not like this was a new experience for me, but I stood in front of a piece, and, I'll, and I'll, it's, it was a piece by Chris Riley, who I've since met and been able to talk to and share this with, and, um, and he works in encaustic, and I stood in front of it, and I wept, hmm. and and it was a beautiful piece, but it wasn't the piece that was making me weep. It was a message that I was receiving, and Howard came over to me, and he was like, okay, not sure what's going on here. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah. explain to me. And I said, I don't know, but I have to learn this. Mm. I said, this is just drawing me in. And so... As he is, he went straight home. He started researching what I needed. I had everything on my doorstep <laughs> within the week, and he said, go. And, you know, basically he didn't say these words because this is cheesy, but he just told me to go spread my wings. You know, he just yeah. said, go play. He cleared out a whole corner of his studio and said, this is yours. Spread out. Go, you know. And um, at the Did time, you there was not. I mean, it wasn't like there's was workshops I could go jump into, you know. There was a hub of encaustic up in um, Portland, Seattle, and there was another hub, um, Boston, Maine, kind of. But, um, and a little bit going on in Santa Fe, too, but nothing going on in Utah at the time. I mean, we had Jeff Jalin that was working in encaustic, uh, Bridget Meinhold. Um, you know, there was like five people doing encaustic in Utah that I knew of, mm -hmm. Shauna Moore. And um, did you have to set boundaries personally and say, 
Um, I'm going to set aside such and such a time on a regular basis. Leave me alone so on I can figure this out. I did that. On my calendar, I did that, but I'm still not very good at that. I'm still working on it okay. because and the reality is we still have a business to run and we are out of town a lot. And, you know, even though kids aren't living at home anymore, they still need parents. And, right. and so I'm still working on that. I'm trying to get better. I'm surprised when I look at your work at um, the huge variety you've done. We've talked about, we're going back to this piece. Yeah. You've got the gold leaf on top of the multiple built-up layers, and then you've incised it. And then right next to it, you've got um, also incised. But I don't always understand how you get some of these images you have, um, and, and images you've done with trees or with yeah. portraits. You did a collaboration with Howard where he painted oil. And it seems like embedded within the oil itself is the ability to put imagery. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's How is that done? The layering process opens itself up to, to so many options. Um, when I first started and I was just getting used to, to playing with the medium, um, I like to incorporate a lot of photography in what I did. And, and it, it helped me kind of be able to still come up with with final images that I enjoyed, but but gave me a little freedom to play with the medium and get just get familiar with it. Um, I don't do that as much anymore. I I enjoy more creating the image um, without the photography, but um, but you can. You know, I, I know people, I know other artists who incorporate, like, actual leaves into their pieces. You can incorporate, like, all kinds of really... It probably preserves it almost like amber it, would. It does. It just kind of seals it in there, you know, and as long as you're not putting too much moisture in between the layers. When I do layer with oil paints, um, I have to let it dry and make sure that it's really dry before I mm. um, continue my layering, so... I've been kind of a, a technique wonk. I'm going to back off for a moment. I want to hear <laughs> about um, this piece and, and the message of it. Okay. Um, so the theme of the show is certain women, and it's, a, it's statements of purpose. And so all, all the women um, in their way or in their medium have um, created their statement of purpose. And so with this one, um, I just kind of sat down and brainstormed a list of things of who I am and what I stand for. And and so and then I took that list and I kind of pared it down a little bit into the things that I felt like um, I wanted to communicate. And so um, you have some on here that represent, you know, my first one, like you said, is a gold-leafed. Um, universal sign for female and and that's that's my divine womanhood and I feel like at the very core of who I am that's probably most important to me mm. um, and then I the on the bottom right hand corner I, I kind of bookended all my pieces with another gold leafed piece that has the infinity sign mm. um, so so bookend my story in between with my divine female with my uh, my eternal self my eternal divinity um, and then in between I've got pieces that represent um, my creative self myself as a sister as a daughter um, as a wife um, as, a, as a community builder 
as as being someone who's very focused, um, someone who I find a lot of importance of, um, in my inner strength. And so all these little pieces are my representation, I guess, visually of how of of these things that make me me. Um, that, that's just how they came out to represent the different things that I feel like become my statement of purpose. How does how do you ever let go of a piece like this? Are you gonna be able to? Are you gonna keep it at your? Or do you not know just what the fate of it I is? I don't know. Um, I I. I try not to get so attached to my pieces that, but I don't, you know, I don't know that I'll ever not sell it. Just if it speaks to someone else and someone else finds connection with it, then I, I think that's almost as powerful to know that it's on their wall than mm. to have it on my wall. Um, I like the human experience of creating something so personal and yet creating something that maybe will speak to someone else. Do you find that because encaustic is somewhat new to some people, that, um, let me rephrase this. You did a work that I believe was submitted to the, to, to the Church International Exhibition that was, is it Mio Cristo? The Mio Cristo, yeah. And it's an image of Christ that, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's multiple panels that are all pieced together, or is it just one pa large panel? No, they were 500 blocks that and I cut in different depths. So there's eight different depths, it's 500 blocks. <laughs> and you know, it, and that's, it, it does a disjustice to say to somebody who hasn't seen it, that it's, it looks like a pixelated image. Yeah. Because pixelating, pixelating something is as simple as just clicking a button, but 500 blocks <laughs> isn't just clicking a button. Right. And um, one of the things I love about this, personally, if I can selfishly have my own reaction to it, is that and, and because I guess I'm running the podcast, I can be selfish, is the, is the idea that we, um, we're often so explicit in how Christ looks, and that's often very difficult for me, because I think that um, how Christ looks is a very personal experience. It's usually masked in the scriptures with symbolic language, like brightness above the sun, things that, but, but he tends to look like the most handsome man of any era. He looks right now like the guy who plays Thor in a lot of right. images. Or in the 70s, he looked like a Bee Gees. In the 80s, I mean, he looked like yeah. he had the jaw of Stallone or Reagan or something. And was just off, fresh off the beach. Yeah, and I think that's because we can't, we can't separate out the perfect man from whatever our concept of what right. a perfect man looks like at the time. And I've harped on about that in other forums. I don't know if I've done it on the podcast before. But I think that, but there I go, I just harped on it. So, But I feel like um, looking at an image that is, that is deliberately abstracted um, immediately personalizes it in a way. And I don't think it could have been done in another medium with the same, even close to the same effect. How did you conceive of this? Um, so throughout... Um, Howard's career, we do we do a lot of brainstorming together. You know, we do a lot of like, what if you did this, and what if you did this, and and um, 
one thing that has always been a frustration with us is that it doesn't matter how he paints Christ. He will always have people come up and say, he's too this, he's not enough this, you should have done this, and he looks like this, and I had a vision, and this is what he looks like. And right. and we get that everywhere we go. And and so it, it, pr- it probably goes the other way, too, though, where people say you nailed it. Yes, this you is exactly, exactly what my I Christ. Yes. So it's probably like the whole spectrum, it right? It is. It's the whole spectrum. And so it's prompted a lot of conversations with us. And and just, you know, tongue-in-cheek, we've had these conversations like, you know, we should make, you know, he's like, I should paint a painting and do a series of eight of them, the exact same painting, just different skin tones, you know, or just mm. different eye colors or just different, you know, I mean, it's not to make light of it, but it just we need to understand that it's okay if we have a different vision of who Christ is. We don't yeah. know what he looks like. It's like, an impossible it's expectation impossible. to put and on to, somebody. Ex- to hold an artist to that level is ridiculous if really, if you ask, you know, if you think about it. So, so this kind of came from a conversation that we were having where we were talking about like, you know, let's take the Pantone colors and like, like let's just create this like Pantone, you know, Christ and 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 then it just kind of evolved into this, well, you know, let's just pixelate it. Let's pixelate it so that like people have to create it in their own mind. And then they'll create the the image that does resonate with them. Um and then I had the idea that, you know, we have all these different titles that we use for Christ. And so I actually kind of just did a Facebook survey and I said, you know, tell me your favorite names of Christ. And so when you're standing close to the piece, I embedded, I think there was like a hundred something words. I've got a video of it that I, oh, that I watched three or four times, but, but I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll put it, a link to it. Okay. It, it, it has... Go ahead. So, so yeah, so up close, um, it's hard to really kind of, it's hard to see what the image is, but up close you see all the names of Christ, and so you're able to identify on that level. And, and they're written into the into layers the wax. of wax. Yeah, yeah. Which is such an astounding, in my opinion, <laughs> um, experience as a viewer, because you're stepping away, you have one experience. Yeah, where it's, you're, a, where it's a dual it, experience. It, it comes into focus. Stepping up close, you have a completely different experience right. where you're able to focus on the words and the thoughts, right. which are also abstracted words, right? It's the idea right. that, that yeah. it's, you're using words like calm, like strength. You're using different different names. It's, it's, um, it's a really remarkable experience. I when I saw it in person, I wanted to touch it, but then I had that, and I'm somebody who, you know, I, 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 uh, I have, to, I'm probably bolder than most people when it comes to dealing <laughs> with art because I deal with art on a regular basis. Right, yeah. But I also know what's, you know, it's inappropriate usually to touch things. Do you find that people want to touch your paintings? It's hilarious. I love standing uh, just far enough away from when I have a show up yeah. that, that people don't know I'm watching, which is kind of creepy, but um, <laughs> I love it because they can't stand it. They have to touch it. Yeah. And so I actually, when I do a show now, I have a sample one that says, please don't touch the art, but this is made just for you, you know. It, it, it is. It's a wonderful, like, very organic um, touch to it, and it's very tactile. So, like, encaustic art really does need to be touched, but, and it's and it's not gonna, you know, I I feel like you, the oils from your body is not going to affect it like it would probably some other mediums, but 
it's just a good just a good rule to have people used to not touching art and, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning we talked about this idea of some people when they're faced with a new medium that that uh, they may worry about on one level or another that you have to kind of face those questions but I guess there's another institutional level of, of question which is museums are funny places yeah. on one hand um, in that church show, they were very open to the idea of having a dress that was sewn out of scripture pages that were fragile, yeah. which is a wonderful it piece. Beautiful. And and they're going to figure out a way to make that work right. in there and, and to store it and to preserve it, which is great, right? And on another level, they've got you know standard paintings that they're used to dealing with that are hanging on a wall, and they've got a system for that. How do they, how do they, do, judges and museums can be funny and say, oh, we don't know how to deal with this, so I don't know if we're going to accept it. Have you faced any institutional questions about encaustic and, and what do we do as a museum with encaustic? Yeah, um, you know, like Springville Museum has been amazing. Like they, yeah. they have been very good about it. And, and there are a handful oh. of encaustic artists and more, I'm, you know, there are more today than the first time I was in the show. Um, I, I think it's hard because I don't feel like I do fall into a place. I'm not sculpture. I'm not oil painting. I'm not, you know. Um, I you're an advocate for an entire medium. I right? yeah. I think sometimes, um, you know, I I have to be judged against other more traditional mediums, and so I think sometimes maybe that. I think that either sometimes totally is in my favor, and sometimes it isn't. You know. Um, right. I had two galleries that I was in last year that I was their only encaustic artist, and I did really well in both places, and um, and then they both closed their doors before the end of the year. So, But I do find that when I talk to, to new galleries, it, it, it's kind of a bummer because they're like, oh, we have an encaustic artist. I'm like, yeah, but you have 20 oil painters. <laughs> so there's yeah. not like, it's not like you can only have one encaustic artist. And we all work so differently, but it's I do feel like sometimes it's either it either works for me or against me, depending on the situation. It reminds me of this um, this debate that happened in the royal the Royal Society in London in the 19th century. It was their scientific Royal Society, and somebody had brought back the first platypus, <laughs> and there was a there was a debate that was a very heated debate about. Is it a bird or is it a mammal? Is it a duck or is it a beaver? Right? <laughs> and they had this huge debate where they just had to put it in a bucket. Right, everyone wants to. And then to somebody came up with marsupial. And everything. Right? Yeah. They came up with the marsupial. They figured out that marsupial was a category and everybody could back down and calm down and enjoy the platypus for what it was, <laughs> not what that. it wasn't. And I kind of wonder on some, you know, you hear somebody who you for years have been um, managing, marketing, um, and working with an artist that you're close to, but you've also been giving advice and consulting with other artists on their own work. And could you give yourself more of a challenge than working in a category <laughs> where you're the platypus and you have to figure out, um, well, I have to not only... Um, I have to sometimes, before they can even get to a personal experience and reaction with my, to my piece, and they have to categorize it. Right. And I think that's probably true for a lot of artists. 
right? I mean, you probably got, I think if you're a contemporary artist and you just say, oh, I'm a contemporary assemblage artist, they don't have to have the same discussion always right. because they, they, there's been 80 years of discussion about yeah. what that is. And, you know, a lot of encaustic artists, um, I tell people, well, they're like, I've never seen encaustic. And I said, you probably have, but a lot of, um, up until just recently, most artists who use encaustic will just call themselves a mixed media artist. Mm. And and I think, I think maybe that makes the road a little easier. So yeah. what, what are you, um, what has changed in your practice as an artist over the past five years? Yeah. Where, if you were, if you right now could talk to Shari from five years ago and say, you're going through this crisis now, what would you tell her? Um, just be brave, be bold. You know, I, in the beginning, I feel like I, um, I was very timid in the way I approached the medium. And, 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 and I think, I think to be fair, I think this is pretty normal in anything new. Someone, you know, you are looking to what other people are doing and, and copying it a lot, you know, and being like, okay, this is what's being done, and I'm going to try doing this. And I think that's part of the learning process. But I also think that um, I'm, I'm more about creating things that I want to create than creating things what other people are creating. And, and I think... Um, I think I'm learning more and learning quicker that way than I did in the beginning because I was trying trying to model myself after what other so it took, people It took you did. a while to figure out what you wanted to create. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think I had to find my own voice and my own vision. And, and um, you know, I have been submerged in a realism world. I've been submerged in a... Um, you know, with oil painting, I've been submerged in a very specific world of art all my life, and and my experience has been there. And so, um, I've I've had to step out of that a little bit and learn more about uh, more contemporary art. You know, I mean, to be to be truly honest. We'll skip any contemporary museum, you know, the last 25 years, and it was always, you know, we were always going for the... The traditional, the traditional old master to yeah, 19th century yeah, kind you know, of. which I love, and it... Um, but, but, you know, if we had the choice between those two kinds of museums, we would always skip the modern. And now you don't? And I'm... If I can drag Howard in with me, I'll take him in with me. Yeah. Uh, just because I, you know, it's um. It helps to be an omnivore. I think it. Yeah, I think it just helps to just expose myself to just everything that's out there, and mm. and you know, there's still stuff that I look at, and you know, I'm like, eh. <laughs> it doesn't all speak to me, but but I think um, but I think I'm growing and I'm expanding, and I think that expansion. Um, you know, I think you're obviously seeing it in the work that I'm doing now versus, you know, what I did five years ago. But I think I'm in a place right now of really rapid growth and an expansion. I'm excited. I'm excited. I think 
if if what's in my head comes out in wax in this next year, I think that there's another level that I'm mm. I'm ready to to jump up again too. So. So what would you say to um, to Shari five years ago about the community you're a part of? Because it seems like you're there. There's a there's a huge community now that didn't exist even five years ago. Well, I think that, um, you know, when we left family, we left friends in Arizona, um, we made a very conscious decision to create that here. And so when we came and we started asking people, oh, do you know so-and-so? And like, no, they live five minutes away from you. You know, how do you guys not all know each other? And so... Um, so that was a conscious decision to create community and to create family here. You know, our art community is our family here. And the people that we've met through art, um, you know, some like you guys, we, we feel very close to. And um, so there are, there are people that I've never that, that I never would have met if it wasn't for you. And I feel like they are absolutely masters of their domain in a domain that I had no familiarity with before. And I'm startled by the variety of artists, the, the, the lack of territorialism that exists with the group of people that you bring together. And, and to me, it is, if you were to look back, and let's say we do achieve a Latter-day Saint Renaissance. It's so hard not to say more than Renaissance. Achieve a Latter-day Saint Renaissance. <laughs> Then I I think we're gonna look back at at this as as this is a key moment your your um, community building with Howard as being a key Medici almost <laughs> kind of element and, and I'm not I'm not I'm not oh, exaggerating but so I do kind of you. <laughs> I do I do feel like um, and it, it it makes me want to ask meta questions that I don't think we can answer even right now of of how is it changing the community but i feel like it is don't you feel like the art, art has changed a little bit i hope so i mean i hope that that people see that there's always enough there's always enough success there's always enough money there's always enough buyers you know it's it's never going to detract to be open with your knowledge it's never going to detract from what you do to to be selfish um you know, I just, we both truly believe, you know, in the rising tide. And, and I think you, you can never go wrong by being inclusive and, and, and pulling more people in. Like, you can always use more friends. And, and we've been so richly blessed in our experience being up here because of that. You know, we have made so many wonderful friends. And it, honestly, I, like, we came to Utah knowing that this was what we needed to do. Our children were even like were the ones really that initiated that said, I feel like we need to be in Utah. We need fry sauce. We need the fry sauce. <laughs> we need the, the, fry, the quart of fry sauce at Costco. Can't get that in Arizona. Um, but, you know, we all came kicking and screaming knowing that this is where we needed to be. And, and without having embrace the community that we have, it wouldn't be the same experience. I, I would not be as happy as I am in Utah had I not been able to to have the community that we, you know, I wouldn't say created because it's already been here. We just, um, I don't know, maybe it's selfish. We like to collect 
yeah. creative people in our lives. Yeah. And it's and music and it. art. Like we've, you know, we've built that on the music end too, you know, with Belle and her career, but I think it's just creatives. You know, we're fed by creatives and so maybe we hoard them a little bit in our lives. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. There's this, even as you're talking, I'm thinking about this dichotomy of, well, it's it's almost like that F. Scott Fitzgerald quote where he said you have to um, that the true measure of a of a of a genius of a first-rate mind he said was the ability to maintain two opposing thoughts in your brain at the same time and retain the ability to function. <laughs> and 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 the two opposing thoughts that I hear from you that um, I think are are just they're contradictory, but there's a magic of having them is rising tide lifts all ships. And, um, and that means we're going to be involved and help in the community and we're going to invest in other people and their energy. But at the same time, I need to focus on myself and I need to focus on what and find out what, what makes me tick and I need to give myself time and I need to push away anything that's going to take away from that. And the ability to do those two things is it would, would cause lesser people to not be able to function, right? And so to be able to function and do those two things is... It's astounding, and I, I think it's, it's not just about being, it's if anybody can do it in any area of their life. Um, that's, and that's, that I think is what makes, coming back to the beginning, <laughs> makes it exhausting sometimes to, to try and keep up with all that you're doing. And, and it's also, it's exhausting isn't the right word because miraculous is more the word. That's more the word. <laughs> Miraculous. It's miraculous to see. I feel like the word insanity has to fall in there somewhere, too. So it's a little crazy. Yeah. But Probably, because cause it's not a, a reasonable thing to ask of yourself. But you're doing it. It's an amazing thing. And I'm totally a biased, a biased observer. So so uh, you should just accept it as, 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 as my, uh, the compliment that I mean it to be. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> No, it, it is. Life is crazy, but um, but it's all full of just wonderful good things. And, you know, I'll just, we're, we're not really a couple that, uh, you know, there's not a time in the evening where we say, oh, we're going to sit down and watch our show together, you know? I mean, it's that's, that's not how we choose to spend our time. And so we work a lot of hours and we do a lot of things, but it's doing things we love and I can't. I, I don't know how we would do it differently. So. Well, whatever that next level is, will you come back and talk to me about it when you when you've reached yes. it? Yes, I've got I've got a couple of shows that I'm curating next year. That um, Utah Department of Arts and Museum has asked me to curate a show, and I'm super excited about getting to put that together. And I'm working on a couple of others. And so we will have you back to talk about things those things coming on. Yeah, we absolutely will. And hopefully, I find time to paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming today. Yes, thank you, Mike. It's always wonderful. We've been friends, but we hardly ever get a chance to just sit down and talk Not like this. Not like this. Yes, right? it's been super fun. Well, I'd like to thank Shari Lyon for joining us. You can see more of her work at sharilyon.com. That's spelled S-H-A-R-I-L-Y-O-N.com. And, of course, you can see her work that we've been talking about today at the Certain Women Art Show, opening October 4th in Salt Lake City. For more details on events and locations of the Certain Women Art Show, visit CertainWomenArtShow.com. To see images of the works we talked about today and to access our archive of interviews, you can visit Zion Art Society's website, ZionArtSociety.org, under the podcast tab. I am Micah Christensen. Thank you for listening.